Talking Dogs on Thursday with Barry Drake. For all the latest Greyhound racing news, check out grisland.ie forward slash Talking Dogs. Hello and welcome along to episode 113 of the Talking Dogs on Thursday podcast with myself, Barry Drake. This week we're going to Kilmac Thomas in County Waterford and we're going to speak to a man that's enjoyed some wonderful success over the course of the last year or so with um, a powerful and sensational running tracker, a sentimental lad. But uh, firstly, we're going to say hello to Michael Heaney who kindly joins us on the podcast. So firstly, Michael, hello to you. Hello, Kevin. I hope uh, your cold is responding to treatment and delighted to be talking to you. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, look, um, I've been in front of the, I suppose, the, the stove for the, the last couple of days, and yeah, uh, Michael, it's been, I suppose, tough weather. Yeah, is the stove all right after you sat in front of it so long? Like, that's the thing. <coughs> Exactly, yeah. So look, obviously um, I, I touched on Sentimental Lad there um, in the intro. We'll, we'll get to him shortly, but why don't you um, take us back to maybe the start and how you got involved in Greyhound Racing, because I know you've been involved in the sport for a long, long time. Well, we were born into the game, sorry, myself and my family. My grandfather, uh, Johnny Clark from Dundalk, was a founder member of Dundalk and Dowdles Hill Coaching Club. And ever since we were very, very small, uh, our jobs were, as long as we could walk, we walked out to the race course in Dundalk. The coursing at that time in Dundalk was where the current Greyhound track is and where the current horse race track is. And if you were watching the racing from Dundalk on Wednesday, you saw how bitterly cold it was uh, and the frost and wind. Well, imagine what it was like when we were all young, going out there on St. Stephen's Day and the day after for the coursing. And my first memories are that uh, in the old days, they used to have tar barrels that they placed in front of the escape and filled it full of coal and they were burning away. And we would have to go out and lay straw all around the front of the escape. Now, we could maybe four or five years of age. And in the morning... Before the coaching, we would go out and every single piece of straw had to be picked up off the ground. And that's what we did in our early formative years. So there was no escaping our involvement in greyhounds. None. Brilliant. That to say, we, we took to it with a passion and has remained with us all ever since. Very good. So obviously, you know, since then there's been obviously some wonderful memories over over the years. And have you always kept a couple of dogs yourself, Michael? Oh, we did. We did. We've all. My grandfather, uh, dog, he called them under the Kukulam prefix, and then my my own family afterwards. And I'll just give you a little insight. It was many many years ago. We were all very small. There was a regular visit to our house, which is a one William. Billy Razzle Dazzle Marks, who used to come to our house when we were very young, and we plotted a very, very huge coup for us at the time on Dundalk track. We had a tracker who badly needed a 550, and he was currently run the, the standard distance in Dundalk in those years was a sprint 3 to 5, a 500, which was the next distance in the 5 to 5. So 550s were very rare. So this dog needed a 550 very badly. So my brother Jared, Lord of Mercy, and Billy Marks and a few of us got together, unknown to our grandfather, to plot this great plot to get a few pound out of the bookies. 
Yeah, we, lo- we love those stories anyway, um, um, uh, Michael, so drive on. By the way, Harry Barry was the major bookmaker at that time in the dog. He would have been uncle of now Bernard Barry, current bookmaker. Well, Ber- or Harry was a very famous bookmaker. And there was nothing better than for young people to try and get a few bob off Harry. But it was as hard to get the money off him as it was to get the fur coat that he was wearing all the time. So the fiendish plot was was gathered up. William Marks, my brother Gerald and my father gathered up the few pounds unknown to my grandfather who never ever uh, punted on a dog over his life. And he brought out, when he heard the, all the goings on, <clears throat> he brought out the princely sum of a 10 shilling note. Now you're too young to remember what a 10 shilling looked look like but it was a very big denomination in red colour and when he was going to invest 10 shillings we knew this was going to be something very big but they got a long story short like all gambles <clears throat> there has to be a twist and everything was set forward and when the dog as soon as the traps opened caught his foot on the muzzle and toppled over I know and Oh, like uh, well, I had to walk back uh, with the dog. Now, in those days, and up until fairly re- relatively recently, everybody in Dundalk that had a greyhound walked over to the track because the track was in the centre of Dundalk. And when you lost like that, it was a walk of shame back home with the dog. And my grandfather was sitting in the kitchen. Bad cess to use on your gambling. That's all. I never forget that part. And I have to say, the dog's name was Cuchulain uh, Hack. Cuchulain Hack. And he more than repaid us over the years. But those formative years were one where things didn't go exactly right. Yeah, good. But i ever, ever since that. And by the way, I've just... I'm in Kilmacombe's just two years now. And I've gone through my stuff... Only that I came across, which I have in front of me now, a card from the Champions Stakes final in Shelburne Park in 1986. The prize money for the final that night was 25,000. Wow, and that was, that was proper money back then? 1985, uh, £25 now. Uh, and the official entries was £1. And uh, we had a dog in the very last race that night, a 575, by the name of Cook Holland Brave, and a brave brand dog out of a bitch or I bought of uh, Dermot O'Shea in the Cora or in Newbridge. It was Pat Dalton's breeding Casco Princess, and he won on the night in 3248 for 575. And when I consider what sentimental lad has done since, <laughs> he's taken two full seconds off that time. To have his track record, yeah. In other words, Barry, we've been involved in dogs a very, very long time. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff, and uh, some great stories there. And Michael, obviously, look, sentimental lad has been, you know, such a, I suppose, a, a big fan favorite. Um, you know, every, every night he run, uh, he used to run. Everyone used to be talking about him and stuff like that. And he was such a powerful tracker, and he delivered, you know, some magical performances uh, throughout his racing career. He must have been, you know, a dream dog. He was absolutely unbelievable uh, that right from the word go, as anybody who ever had a decent dog knows, he was absolutely tremendous from the word go. He never, ever gave us a moment's bother. From the moment he was kenneled 
right up the whole way, the way he'd eat, the way he'd gallop. Never, ever, ever, not for love of money would he soil the kennel. He was just a perfect dog to have anything to do with. And the most lovable uh, pet. And I think people who maybe have criticised uh, Greyhound Racing don't realise that the dogs that are pampered so much when they're, when they're racing, between grooming and the best of feeding and all the rest of it, they make the most sensational pets when it's over. Because they're used to nothing, only comfort all their lives. And, all, and I think people have such a bad... Uh, a vision of greyhounds and if they only knew how well they're cared for and how much they mean to people I think they would have a different and a, a, a opinion and I think uh, sentimental lad is a typical case for a dog he was absolutely lovable and ever and he never ever once let us down never yeah uh, very well said there Michael look obviously there was you know tons of really special performances and you know I suppose the, the night that he won the uh, Boyle, one of the heats in the Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby I think it was in the opening round heat he beat uh, Vincenzo Drupi's next one 29-48 that was a, an unbelievable performance that must be up there you know with, with one of his you know great great runs Oh absolutely and I've said before and I've said many many times you know uh, you know the best things that we have in life are not always things at all but the moments and that was a moment that, or 30 seconds, <laughs> that one might never forget. It was sensational, but no less than we expected on the night because he was in superb form and he was doing everything right. And that was a, a victory to savour that particular night, as was his other victories in Shelburne. I think last December, uh, in, the, in the night of Stars, the festival of racing, he won the last race in Shelburne that night, on the Friday night now, in 29.56. And now we noticed at the time we were running at a quarter to 11 that night because the race was going on very, very late. And that was a sensational run on that particular night as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. And of course, look, we have to talk about the track um, record that performance because, you know, I suppose a couple of weeks earlier, he'd lit up Shelburne Park with a, with a stunning performance to win in 1398. And, you know, on to the, the 9th of July then when he absolutely ran riot, winning with uh, plenty, plenty to spare in a track record time of 3059. It's hard, I suppose, it was hard to imagine that, you know, Graham could go that fast uh, for the 575 round Shelburne. Well, I'm just after quoting to you a race that we had a champion way back 30 years ago and he did 32.70 or 32.40. So the knock two seconds of those times, it was absolutely incredible. It was incredible. And there was a, every second that, or every split second that he ran, I jumped because you knew, you just know when you see a dog running. Uh, or a horse or anything else that this was something very special it was obvious and the splits as they came up I was on the infield you know what I mean and you don't always see everything as it's happening correctly when you're on the infield waiting to catch your dog but he was absolutely flying I don't think his feet touched the ground at any stage and when I went over to collect him and the guys are all excited in fairness and the staff at Shelburne are absolutely brilliant uh, telling me that that was a track record I could not believe it at the time it was just sensational and something that will stay with me and Emo for the rest of our lives yeah I was just going to get to your daughter Emo as well because um, she comes across as uh, you know a very passionate Greyhound supporter as well and she was living the dream with you with uh, that you know fairy tale success with Sentimental Lad Oh, absolutely. Emo, absolutely marvellous with dogs from the very word go. 
she was born into them and strangely enough and there's a funny story she was actually in Spain on holidays that particular night but she was watching the race in uh, in the local pub in Spain <laughs> they had it on and she went bananas according to herself looking at the race and she was jumping and shouting and people in the Irish pub all thought that she had won the lotto they all came over to ask her did she win the lotto and she said we did more than win the lotto we actually broke the track record in Shelby I like it I like it fantastic that's a classic and look obviously his um, racing career I suppose has sadly come to an end but um, it's not all doom and gloom of course because uh, no doubt he'll be covering uh, you know plenty of bitches uh, going forward well, that's the hope, uh, Barry. Uh, his his leg is in plaster. Like he did this, he was doing a sensational tra- comeback trial when he just that he broke his hock. There's no point discussing it any further. He broke his hock, stopped as if he was shot on the track. Luckily for him, so we were able to get him to a vet straight away, and he was absolutely brilliant in plastering it up straight away. So hopefully, hopefully, when all is settle down we get a chance to prove himself as stud because if he passes on the qualities that he had himself even a small bit of them I think that would be something very very special yeah without a doubt and uh, we'll, we'll hope for the best there that really would be um, great going forward just in terms of you know I suppose um, you know your, your kennels at home any other grounds at the moment Oh we, well we don't need the two trackers uh, himself and uh, another dog, a, a relative of his own. We got the two dogs of a gentleman, a Belgian gentleman, Ronnie Weitz in Golden, who absolutely does absolutely everything he possibly can with young grounds. He's, he's a, a natural. And the, the nourishment that he gets early on is testament when they start running leg and Book was Crystal now, for example, is running. She's a half sister to a sentimental lad. And we have uh, a dog on a pitch from the next letter by Lenson Buckle out of the same mother, which are 14 months old. So we're just really looking forward to getting them going sometime in the new year. Very good. And I suppose when, you, when you're when you chasing kind of, you know, um, when you've enjoyed, you know, Shelburne's success on the big nights over the course of the last year or two, I'm sure you're, you know, chasing to get back there again. Well, so listen, we were in Shelburne nearly every Saturday night for months. And it's a three-hour journey uh, up here from where I'm based here uh, to Shelburne. And we never found the journey long. <laughs> and certainly the journeys home most nights were not long. They were very, very, very... The time passed very quick. And uh, we enjoyed every cycle. And I have to say, I enjoyed the company of all the uh, punters that we met in Dublin. They were great stuff, great people, always very welcoming. And even in COVID, uh, the previous year when things were very bad the Dublin Greyhound owners had a couple of, a cup of tea ready for people under the stand you know and when there was nothing going on there was no one allowed into the tracks at all only the owners I thought that was a marvellous thing to do and to be complimented for keeping the game going when it was very very difficult yeah look that- and I think I think uh, there was a lesson there uh, to be learned going forward for us all that's involved in grounds. Uh, there was a time when, in like for a town in Dundalk, or everybody nearly in Dundalk had a greyhound that could walk over to the track. You know, it was part, an, an integral part of the town's activities. On a Friday or Saturday or Monday night when we raced, you'd always see greyhounds crossing the main street in Dundalk heading for the dog track because it was right in the centre of town. And we seem to have lost 
the connection with the people. Greyhounds have, you know, the Greyhounds were part of every town. Every town, Navan had a track gone. Dungannon had a track gone. So we, we've got to find ways to bring the Greyhounds to the people because the people are not at the moment going to the Greyhounds. If there are enough men getting paid enough money at the top tables to try and come up with something to reinvigorate the whole game because if we keep losing owners and breeders and it's all part of the one big cake. We need the bookmakers. We need the punters. We need the greyhounds. We need the owners. And if any one of them falls away or are not up to the job, that's another segment of people that goes, that leaves, and they won't come back unless we do something about it. Yeah. And I think that's a lesson we should be learning from COVID. When the whole thing collapsed and there was nothing going on, <clears throat> and it was marvellous to go to Shelburne Park in the early part of the year when it was packed with students and all the rest were from the various colleges and so forth. You know, and we need that sort of activity back into the tracks to make it, you know, a good night out for everybody to go. And it's all very well them sitting up in the corporate box, you know, eating and all that. Fine, that's part of the message. I, I get that. But we need to keep everybody interested and give them value. Yeah, without a doubt. Look, because it is a wonderful support, a wonderful sport, and um, obviously, look, you gave glowing reports there too. Um, Shelburne Park, and you know, looking forward to many more big nights at the uh, Dublin track over the course of the uh, next couple of months. I suppose most notably the the Winter Racing Festival. Before we finish up, Michael, of course, that's um, you know, only a couple of weeks away again, and you know, that's always a marvelous occasion, and and something I suppose that everyone should try and you know aim to get to the Shelburne Park there for a night or two. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure if you want, you can find a million reasons uh, to hate life and to, and to be angry with everything. Or, or if you can, you can find a million reasons to live life and be happy. You know, that's what we should be doing. We should be happy that we have a great product, happy that people who go there enjoy it very much. And our duty, and I mean it is our duty, is to try and bring people back into the tracks to enjoy the sport because it's a marvellous sport and the, the greyhounds are one of the most unbelievably beautiful animals when they're racing and in full flight. You couldn't beat it. And as such, I remember going to, the, I was a young person, was in London and I remember seeing the great a yellow printer running in White City in London which was the most fantastic uh, stadium because they remember held the Olympics there way back in Britain in the White City in London and when Yellow Printo was going round the track it was magic it was absolutely magic and dogs like that attract people they love to see them in full flight and we have got to find reasons and ways to bring people to the tracks we have to Definitely. make it comfortable make it enjoyable and if we do our job right they will come back yeah they sure will um, Michael and uh, just in terms of you know before we finish up um, obviously look you've, you've, you've some nice uh, young stock to look forward to so you'll be hoping for another big star going forward well absolutely we're looking forward to it already <laughs> God opens one door only closes another it's always the other way around so we're always uh, looking ahead uh, listen, the past 
is in our head. The future is in our hands. We just got to keep going. We love the game. Everybody's in the game. Loves it. Loves the sport. Loves the grounds. And we'll find a reason to keep believing. And when you do believe, you can anything can happen. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And just before we finish up, Mike, look, it was wonderful uh, chatting with you over the course of the, the last uh, twenty minutes or so. Some great stories. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Oh, I just say this to you, like, uh, if we don't heal the roots, and go back to what I said, the tree can't grow. We've got to heal all the roots and make sure the tree is stable. That's what you do with a garden or whatever else. We've got to do the same with the greyhound racing. Get the grass roots right. Get the people back involved. Incentivize them. Get them going. You know, we have to do something and if we do, and if we put our minds to it, and we need young people involved in the decision-making as much as anything else, we've got to get people going. And listen, we should have no fear of perfection because we never reach it. So nobody should feel aggrieved that someone can come and do a better job or add to what's already happening. We need and we must make sure the future of the game is secure. And I have a little quote I found some time ago and I'd like to call it here in terms of everything, particularly this time of Christmas. Time is priceless, yet it costs us nothing. You can do anything you want with it, but you can't own it. You can spend it, but you can't keep it. And once you've lost it, there is no getting it back. It's just gone. We need to hear that. Heed that very very strongly yeah look Michael as I said um, it was absolutely fantastic speaking with you over the course of the last 20 minutes or so wishing you and your uh, family of course uh, a lovely and peaceful Christmas and uh, as I said wishing you continued success in the world of ground racing going forward and the best you look to yourself you're doing a great job all these things are very important you may not want to listen to the people but you're doing a brilliant job as is Ian Falcon and anybody who reports positively on the game should be complimented and congratulations good luck and a very very happy Christmas Talking Dogs on Thursday with Barry Drake for all the latest Greyhound racing news check out grisland.ie forward slash Talking Dogs